views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals participating in the show. All persons described or mentioned in the podcast should be considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This podcast contains subject matters such as violence and graphic descriptions along with adult language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Of all the places in the known world, few can conjure feelings of mystery more than the location we've picked tonight. When we present the stories, you may realize it's earned its reputation. You're listening to the Mysterious Brews Podcast, and tonight we bring you the Mysteries of the Congo. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement somewhere in the bowels of Georgia. Well, Coach, the good news is it has not rained but one time this week if you start your week on Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) But it was close to me starting to build an ark. And see how many animal, animals I could get to come up went two by two. Yeah, it's been pretty rainy lately, but I mean, no sign of snow. Which is highly disappointing. Bad. Our uh, lovely friends, the Heartlines in uh, Arkansas, was just south of the ice. No, I'm sorry, just north of the ice line. So they got snow and not ice last week when all that rain we got came through. So there's a plus for them. And... Said patriarch, Mr. Richard, was telling me when he was one of our little baby boys, his dad was an educator, and he his dad told him one winter they had an ice storm that dumped four inches of ice. Good Lord. Could you imagine our country redneck asses trying to do anything with a like? We freak out for like a quarter inch of ice. Could you imagine four inches of ice? The, the world, would, the state of Georgia would implode. Well, it did like, what, 10 years ago. It was like an inch and a half of ice, and it almost shut the entire state down. I had an hour drive home from school to, to well, home, and that drive took me three and a half hours. Now, when I was a wee lad trying to chase down my four-year degree that took me six years to accomplish. We got a half an inch of ice, and I lived on the other side of Kennesaw Mountain and had to go all the way to Barrett Parkway for anybody in Atlanta. That's It's not a very long trip, maybe 10 minutes. But going up said hills with ice, you could give it hell, Leroy, but coming down, there wasn't no stopping my 87 Sentra. Curbs be damned. But anyway, so we had a fan uh, introduce himself to Coach at a wrestling tournament this weekend. Nothing's ever happened. I've been spotted in the wild. In the wild. He was picked out. And he, you know, he approached me and he said, Coach. You know, but and at the moment, I he was, was coaching. coaching. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just thought it was, you know. I thought it was going to be an angry parent or something. 
But then he was like, man, I really enjoy your podcast. And I was like, oh, holy shit, that's amazing. <laughs> like, that's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> so fast forward three hours. Yeah, you want to talk about how small a world it is, especially in Georgia. Yeah, or it may, it may have been more than three hours. Hell, it could have been up to four or five hours. Anyway, same day, the sun had set. I take my wife to eat, and I'm sitting there telling her about it. And the same fan walks in with his wife, and I'm like, and there he stands. And so <laughs> we started laughing, and then there was a commotion. And if you know anything about rural Georgia, some of us can spot a mountain person a mile away because they only come out every once in a while. One of those is to go oh, yeah. to Walmart around Christmas time. They got to get resupplied of Corn and mason jars. Yeah. <laughs> Can't buy all that sugar at one place. Now, so there's this long table. There's probably eight people at it, including two children. There is a granddaddy, an old man. Next to him is his son, the dad. And then in front of granddaddy is the grandson and his wife. And then his uh, the grandson's mama. And two kids. So granddaddy's down there by himself and next to his son. And when I say this is a big man, I mean, he had to duck going through a standard swinging door, like a double door that you go out of a restaurant. He had to duck. He was probably anywhere from 6'4 to 6'7. He probably went a solid 385, 400 pounds. Now, he had on a Carhartt hooded jacket that zipped up to the front that had the glorious Georgia G on the chest. But atop his head was a mossy oak ball cap with the Alabama A. So I was quite confused. You know, is it the house divided or is your body divided? So he doesn't have a volume control. And so the grand, his grandson sitting in front of him says, look, this is what I'm talking about, and shows him his phone. So the old gruff man goes, ain't no damn way that's a house cat. And the grandson says, that's what I was told. That white cat right there is supposedly a house cat. It weighs 40 pounds. And he goes, ain't no damn way, boy. And so <laughs> they commence to arguing over a 40-pound house cat that's white. So the grandson kind of snickers, and the daddy, his daddy starts kind of snickering and so they keep eating a few minutes later i guess something i don't know the grandson finds another picture and says here's a different angle of said house cat and he the old man loses his shit there just ain't no damn way that's a house cat y'all you know what i'm leaving and y'all's asses can pay. And he gets up and slink, you know, bumps his chair backwards, stumbles his drunk butt out the door, hits both swinging doors, he's gone. And so I'm like, well, you know, it is at Ayersville. And this is probably the best restaurant in the town. Yeah, of the three. Yeah, of the three. <laughs> that is open and serves alcohol. So anyway, we finish our meal. We go out, get in the car. Come home. Hadn't been home 10 minutes. The fan that had seen Coach 
and was still in the restaurant sends me a picture and there's crime tape around the entrance and a shell casing uh, marker behind a car of said restaurant I just left less than 30 minutes ago. So we get to talking and I was like, there's, I said it had to be, and I described the old guy, and he goes, it was at the table from your 11 o'clock, and sure enough, it was them. The grandson goes outside to check on granddaddy. I guess he's sitting in the car. I guess the argument ensues yet again. Granddaddy gets mad and shoots grandson not once, but twice. Shot him in the forearm and the stomach. Over a house cat. Over an alleged picture of a 40-pound house cat. <laughs> And for those of you that think I'm lying, we're going to post it to our Facebook page. We're going to post the link to the news article. And the picture of this man does not do him any justice. He is a big old cuss. So that was our uh, Saturday night. So Saturday night in Georgia. <laughs> shooting our grandkids at the Mexican restaurant. It is a good restaurant. When I used to live there, we go there all the time. They gotten better, boss. They done bought the chain and changed the name. So, yeah. So they're no longer the El Nepal. They are the Blue Agave. All right. So that's enough of the story time. Let's get into this. What we like to call around these parts of triple play. We'll give you three little stories that make you go, hmm. So we're going to start off with our favorite, a crypto. And this is... These ain't cryptos, man. These are legit. They have been proven real. Okay. The mystery is... (laughs) (laughs) The mystery is how they ended up like this. All right, so the... I don't even know how the hell you'd say this. Naguma Moene. That's how we're going. I thought we, were, I thought we were starting with the. I was well, start, that, that ain't been proven real then. I know. That's what I said crypto. We're going to start with the cryptozoology. And you ain't paying me no attention again. You sent me the wrong order then. It was a. Uh, okay. All right. We'll eight. go. All right, all, right, all right. We'll just go in that one. <laughs> we'll end with the crypto. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Playing cards with my brother's kids. Well, you don't send me a a, a list with three on it, and then start if you just pay wherever attention. the fuck you want. You know how I do with countdowns, bro. You can't just start wherever the hell willy nilly. You're right. You it's got to go. He loves the list. He loves the list. Well, according to that, <laughs> if you go in reverse order, my order would make sense. I can't believe you'd even say something like that to me. The sheer audacity. <laughs> All right, so let's... Just the audacity. Let's just move past this. All right, so if anybody watches the Joe Rogan podcast, he had Mike Tyson on, God, this is when he was still in California, and they got to talking about uh, how strong Mike Tyson was and stuff like that, and then somehow it got brought up about how strong chimpanzees are and gorillas are, and so Joe Rogan got to talking about the lion killer apes in the Congo. Now, it is actually called the Billy Apes, or the Bondo Mystery Apes, because of 
the villages that are close to where this reported animal has been seen. Now, it is the village of Billy in the Dominican <laughs> Democratic Republic of Congo, which is close. The, the, I don't even know how you, because they, they're referred to on one article as a chimp and the other one as a, con, as a gorilla. So we're just going to go with chimps. So what we do know is up until 2003, scientists only thought apes nested on the ground like gorillas because they have there are such larger animals and then they have like a omnivore kind of diet most chimpanzees nest in the trees so there was two they had two different words in the village of billy for hey man you know I don't ever like to correct you when you're wrong. Oh, this ought to be good. But they thought the apes only nested in trees. It was the Bimmy, the Billy apes that nest on the ground, and that's what's odd about it. But gorillas nest on the ground. That's what I just said. Damn, boy, you ain't paying me no, no. attention. Yes. Orangutans, gorillas, chimpanzees all build tree beds by weaving branches, twigs, and leaves together into a bowl-shaped cradle. They do this to provide safety from predators. What's odd about these apes is they don't give a flying fuck about predators, so they sleep on the ground. All right, now I'm going to read you something from a National Geographic (laughs) article that says otherwise, you little bastard. Oh, don't you start with me. (laughs) It says... (laughs) These apes nest on the ground like gorillas, but they have a diet that is more characteristic of chimpanzees. Until you discover what the people of the village say, and they're not your average chimpanzees. These things are rumored to be at least six foot tall, and they have that sagittal crest that is reported to that Bigfoot has. Correct. As well as Gigantopithecus. Correct. And this is a total different DNA subspecies of chimpanzees that, like Coach said, nest on the ground. And the reason they nest on the ground is because they don't give two shits what's in the village. There have been pictures on the Internet, so you know it's true, of the villagers of Billy finding dead leopards. And the rumor was back in, what was it? 1927 is either 1927 or 1908. It was a Belgium explorer had gone down there going through the Congo. And they had told him of lion killer apes that were bigger than the six foot ones that we've just discussed described now there are a couple of pictures out there of one of these big ass chimpanzees there was two guys that had to kill one at the airport in the congo because it was terrorizing and beating the shit out of the planes so according to the intranet 
the Billy Apes are... I'm not even getting into the genus and all that other bullshit because nobody cares. But the, All right, so let's go over. The Billy Forest is located about 124 miles to the east of the Ebola River, and this is one of the more famous rainforests in the continent. It's basically secluded because the jungles are so dense and... Civil War breaks out in the Congo like every three or four months, so you don't go in there and screw around. Now, there are a lot of villagers in the area that will poach a lot of different animals and mine for gold inside the jungle, but, again, there's a lot of things that will eat you. Yeah, they said that they're going to be like, the researchers are going to go in like 25 miles into the jungle, 25 miles into the Congo jungle. That's 24.9 too far for me. Yeah, that's not, that's insanity. Now, according to the uh, description of the people that have seen these in the forest, these chimps have a very flattened face. They have a wide muzzle. Their fold of the eyebrows is straight and strongly protruding. Again, another characteristic of what people talk about when they talk about Bigfoot is that eyebrow or the brow ridge. And then some of the chimpanzees, the older males, resemble gorillas, and the females resemble larger male chimpanzees. They have a gray coat, whether they're male or female. And the graying usually occurs as the male gets older. But they are, like I said, have been measured at six feet tall or taller. Now, as we talked about, they build their nest on the ground, and about one-fifth of all the nests are located within the same area. Now, there was a YouTube video I watched that said that there was one troop of these Billy Apes that they found that had 124 members in it. That is a big group. Can you imagine? Look, chimps scare the shit out of me anyway because they'll rip your face off. But could you? yeah. Documented that they do that. Yes. Could you imagine? You ever heard that 911 call? Yes. That woman had a pet chimpanzee Mm. and it attacked her friend. Oh, my Lord. That is an awful thing to hear. Could you imagine 124 chimpanzees? And that's why I kind of give credence to these lion killer things, because obviously they're not scared of anything, because the savannah butts up to the Billy Forest. And so 124 of them, they could take down a lion. I could guarantee it. They took the old Planet of the Apes routine, like together apes strong. So the what was the... <laughs> In the reboot, Planet of the Apes, that patient zero, whatever he's called. Caesar. Caesar. This, there's a couple of pictures of one of these that looks just like Caesar, like enough that you're like, oh, shit. Now, supposedly, they have not ever displayed aggression towards people, but they are not afraid of them. There was one researcher that stated that they were trying to find these apes, and like you said, they went 25 miles in, and they kind of set up this blind and they catch a a group of these chimps stalking prey, 
and then somebody moves in the blind and they catch movement and then figure out there there's people in there and so they kind of move around so they can see in the blind they don't peek in there like they're going to beat the shit out of you but then they slowly move out and they said that they approach so quietly they're like those forest elephants you don't hear them coming they're just they, all of a sudden they're there They did say, uh, Mr. Cleve Hicks, an American primatologist, said that on one expedition, a troop, small troop, approached his search party and surrounded them to, quote, see them. If I get surrounded by a troop of chimpanzees, there's, you know, as Rodney says, there's going to be two movements. Hmm. The first one's going to be the bowels, and the second one's going to be my feet. I would probably be so scared I couldn't move. You just and I don't really dookie down. I don't really want to die tired. You know, if you're going to die anyway, might as well, you know, not die exhausted from running. Because I'm not built for running. I'm just not. <laughs> Round people are not fun at running. They're not good at it. Now there are rumors in the local villages that. There have been aggressive groups of these, and groups, I mean three or four, not like a whole troop of 120-something, that have basically went after lions and leopards and killed those. And then I think a villager had gone out there, if I'm remembering correctly, basically to move the kill off of the main road or two-track and... They didn't like that, and they beat the shit out of him. Now, are there a lot of lions in the Congo? I mean, I'm not the greatest at. Well, suppose and I, that, you know, I don't think lion so. Lion habitats, like the way it was done. explained to me, this forest is located right on the edge of the savanna. Okay, so I think the savanna comes up to it, and so during the rainy season, of course, the chimps may move out to that fresh vegetation. And then a lion be strolling around thinking he's got himself a nice, easy meal. And they're like, no, no, buddy. We the wrong man for the job. (laughs) So to this day, it is not been explained how or why this group of chimpanzees known as the Billy Apes sleep in ground nests when there are plenty of of trees for them to nest in, as well as plenty of leopards, golden cats, elephants, and buffalo. So that is the old. Just saying, I mean, if you you come to realize that there's strength in numbers and you're not really scared anymore, I mean, I would assume that the predators in the jungle would get the memo too. Yeah, I you think know. they probably talk to each other a little bit. They're like, hey, man, if you see them apes, don't you dare. Don't you dare go in that jungle thinking you're going to get you one. So I finally found it. So the village, I don't know what they call it, but the two translation translations are arboreal, and that's the ones that climb high in the crown of the trees to get away from predators and any like local hunters trying to shoot at them or throw poisoned arrows at them. Then there's these line killers, which are terrestrial, 
which are six foot tall, and according to some villagers, they are immune to their poisoned arrows and spears, and they will just kill you. That's the ones that they're scared of. It's just a mystery of how they develop these this, these traits and skills. Like It just goes against what most people know about these type of animals. Like, why did they start walking on their own, on, on two feet? Why did they, you know, decide, fuck it, we're not getting bullied anymore instead of running. It's just, it's strange how that environment can influence stuff like that. Cause it's gotta be. And Are, that another thing is that researcher Hicks said that he just, he said that they're not aggressive to humans, but they almost kind of walk through the forest with, like you said, this air of confidence about them where no one fucks with them. Well, I think that the thing about the, the no fear of humans is that a, that attitude and B, they don't, they don't have contact with humans. You know, they don't understand, they don't know about, let's say rifles or, weaponry of that that nature but i mean the ones that do have contact with humans damn sure know to get the hell out of the way correct you know most apes like apes in the wild will still flee from humans when they see them because they understand what we are capable of and here's the so thing I don't, know, I don't know if it's so much that they're that confident or they're just don't have the experience with us is what i'm trying to say well like most apes they are chimps they use sticks you know, as tools and stuff like that. And if you've ever watched chimpanzees eat the ants, they'll take that stick and stick it in the ant mound or the termite mound and let them crawl up, and then they'll just eat them off the stick. Well, they're saying that these billy chimps or billy apes, their hunting tools are almost seven feet long. Yeah, and they've developed... Essentially, they're in their Stone Age. Yes. Because yes. they're using stone tools yeah. um, they to, said that, they, they're taking a smash approach, is what I read. They just basically smash everything to eat it. Shells, snail shells. Peanuts. Peanuts, whatever <laughs> they have peanuts. Whatever they can get their hands on, they're using stone tools in order to... Um, access that food which is a scary thing in its own right yes and mr hicks said the most exciting thing about the pop this population is that it's much bigger than anyone realized and maybe one of the largest remaining continuous populations of the species left in africa mr hicks and his colleague jerome swinkles surveyed an area of seven i know i, I tried to get through it without you laughing but yes his last name is swinkles swinkles s-w-i-n-k-e-l-s my apologies to the great and powerful Swinkle family. I didn't mean to disrespect your family name. I apologize sincerely. They together surveyed an area of 7,000 square kilometers and found them their chimps everywhere. Like I said, they estimated the troop, continuous troop, at like 124, 142, way well over 100. So that's the unique culture in itself is how that many can get along as well. Um, there has been a photographer said that 
he was looking for them since 1996. And without the without a strong central government in the Congo, they're afraid that that jungle will be lost and the Billy Apes will disappear. I don't think you have to worry about them. I don't think nobody's coming in there and cutting down trees, just to be honest with you. Well, I mean, my only takeaway so far is stay the fuck out of the Congo, man. Like, you're not ever going to catch me wandering through the jungle anyway, but knowing that there's lion-killing bipedal apes using stone tools and sticking together in a group of over 100, you can bet your sweet ass I am not going to where they are. You can bet your sweet ass I don't want none of them damn Cheerios. <laughs> what? You never heard the late, great Louis Grizzard's tale? I don't, you're going, you're probably going to hit the fan about this. I don't even know who the hell that is. Oh my God. How do we, who's who's Louis Gazzard? He used to to have a running column in the Atlanta Journal and Constitution. He played uh, Miss Sugarbaker's mentally deranged brother on Designing Women. He wrote a bunch of books, one of which I read was called Shoot Low Boy, Shoot Low Boys, They're Riding Shetland Ponies. Um, he it was political humor, and he was a a clean stand up comedian. Anyway, one of his bits back in the late eighties was total sidebar, but y'all will appreciate this. And people that don't get southern humor may find it funny too. So he said that uh, him and his sister decided that they were going to use cuss word in front of their parents. They were they were going to be bra- they were going to be brazen. Uh huh. Um. So the sister said, I'm going to use damn. And he was like, oh, that's a good one. That's good. I'm going to use ass. And she's like, oh, I should have thought of that one. That's a good one, too. And so they decided the next morning at breakfast, they're going to they're gonna use them. So their mama gets up. They get in there, and they come into the kitchen. Mama goes, what would you like for some for breakfast? So the sister rears back and says, well, mom, I think I'll take some of them damn Cheerios. And he says, and my mama hit her like a backhand from a pro tennis star, knocked her across the table into a crumpled up mess and asked her why she would ever utter those words at her and did not give her time to answer. And then she looked at me and said, well, Lewis, what would you like for breakfast? He said, you can bet your sweet ass it ain't going to be none of them damn Cheerios. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's a long one for yeah. a short one. It's a long buildup for a short one. All right, so the next on our Congolese, what the hell's going on down there, is, and this one, depending on which camp you're in, it's either totally made up, or the government, the world government's trying to keep this down because it, it goes against everything we've known, and it and it and it shows that Tataria was really real. Which, you know, I'm just now starting to hear about that Tataria stuff. It's hmm. it's a rabbit hole if you start going down it, especially if you go oh, on the world's fair. Is. If you go on the world's fair angle for Tataria or However you say it, 
I would love to do a World's Fair episode just because the last one I ever remember when I was a kid was when it came to Knoxville. Wow, you are so old. Don't act like that. Hell, you was probably still sucking on the teat, but you was born. Mm, I don't know. All right, so anyway, in the Victorian (laughs) era, explorers and adventurers left their mark on history, uncovering lost cultures, hidden temples, hidden cities, all of that. So... I was less than one at the Knoxville World's Fair when it I came. I told you you was probably still suckling. God. Only thing I know about it is I see the sun sphere every time I go see Tennessee win at Neyland and the Simpsons episode. That's all you know. All right, so if you love to read about exploration, discoveries, and all that stuff, then you may be interested in a man named Alfred Isaac Middleton and the search for the missing city of Dolitu and the Casket of Gold. Well, I have a bone to pick with you about that, too. It was second on the list, so of course it's going to go second on our thing, but somebody left a name off. And when you Google just the middle name and the last name, you can't find shit. I didn't think Alfred was that important, but obviously it is. (laughs) <laughs> and I ain't never heard of this man. All I know is that every dang, every dang ancient civilization's got some sort of uh, got some sort of city of gold that people can't find. You're right. About everywhere. That. You're right about that. So basically, we're looking at as coach has already let the cat out of the bag. One Alfred. Isaac Middleton, and the mysterious name has been floating around online communities and on Reddit for a while. Supposedly, he was a British explorer that vanished in the jungles of the Congo in the late 1800s while searching for the ruins of an ancient lost city known as Dolito. He is a strapping young man that looks... Very handsome with his beard, I will say. Okay, so anyway, there are just a few photographs. Now, these photographs, however, the first couple of them, you're like, man, he really was an explorer. And that's, you know, he's back there in the jungles and stuff like that. And then there's artist renditions of mountain ranges and things like that. And then, supposedly... There's some real clear photographs that just happen to be black and white. And so that's where your BS blinders and radar needs to go off. But anyway, Mr. Middleton was scouring the farthest corners of the world in search of zoological, botanical, and archaeological wonders towards the end of the 19th century. And he had missions to regions of the Southeast Asia, Africa, and Amazon. Now, back then, it probably wasn't this way, but basically you had Western explorers going all over the dark continent trying to figure out if there was anything they could plunder. They would go from the jungles of Sumatra to the Congo, and even today some of these gracious jungles have still not been fully explored as duly noted in our 
Billy Apes telling. But there is a strange vintage wood engraving that's rumored to be in the Smithsonian. And you know how well the Smithsonian takes care of things. Cue the giant bones. Don't get into that whole conspiracy. Now, according to Smithsonian (laughs) Magazine report, the former assistant to Arthur Conan Doyle and a friend of the explorer, Sir John Morris, had a collection of documents about Alfred Isaac Middleton, and one of them revealed the explorer's incredible story. Now, a copy of an email from a British consulate was sent to Doyle's assistant mentioning a lost cache of documents and possible expedition by a British explorer named Mr. Alfred Isaac Middleton. Uncannily, the man is a contemporary of another strange figure named Edward Allen Oxford. Now, Oxford's weird story is another one we may dive into later, but Middleton was an explorer who was looking for a specific lost city named Dolito, which was rumored to be on the route to a lake called Lopnur. And according to Doyle's former assistant, Lopnur is a former salt lake, which now has largely dried up. And it was located in the eastern fringe of the Tarim Basin between Tuklamagalakan and I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to say Coontag, but it's spelt K-U-M-T-H-E. <laughs> yeah. I tried I to say Coontag. I don't know what Coontag. it's called, but Coontag is probably yeah. not the best name for it. But it's spelt the way you think it. K-U-M-T-A-G. Anyway, it has been hypothesized that Middleton became disoriented and lost in the thick wooded area on the route to the Lake Lopnur. The email also mentioned a treasure that Middleton was said to have gathered and buried in a casket. Now, these pictures look like Stone Age flying saucers that they have built these monuments around. And we will post some of them on there. Uh, Again, take it with a grain of salt. I don't know what to tell you. you. You may take one look at this and be like, no, this is utter bullshit. And if you do, that's perfectly fine. We don't know anything about Middleton. A lot of people state that he is basically been made up by the internet and the images that are out there may not really be true. Now, would we ever cover something that's not true? No. We cover mysteries. We don't cover lies. That's right. And the reason I wanted to cover this is because there is a book out there, and you can buy it for $1.99, and I almost did, but I forgot my login to my credit card, or I'd have done it. <laughs> but the the book is called The Lost Casket of Dolly Two, and it says, quote, The mission supposedly found a city in the jungle named Dolly Two. According to Middleton, there was a map that had a golden city that went all the way down to a lake, as well as a gold statue of a woman that came from a lost continent called Atlantis. A group of people were sent by Middleton to find the city, and one of the men supposedly found a buried casket filled with gold. The report claims that according to a letter found in church archives, 
Middleton was lost in the jungle and taken prisoner by a group of men that wanted the gold and the statue. Middleton apparently died in captivity. Now, although no one knew exactly where Middleton had buried all of this treasure, a man named John Hargreaves was said to be the second in command of this mission, so he led another team of people into the jungle to recover the treasure. And in the end, what became of Middleton's expedition is not known. Many mainstream historians have suggested the stories are a hoax and that Middleton's mission to find Dolly Two never took place. However, many interweb theorists are so convinced that there was an expedition, but he was not taken hostage for the gold. He was basically decided to live in the village. So, did he find a mythical lost city, or is this all made up? Now, according to this article, it was in Sumatra and not the Congo. So we may have jumped a little too far on our map. Cue the world. Get out your globe. Spin it. Let's look up where Sumatra and Congo is. Sumatra is probably nowhere near. It's probably in Asia. And, and I'm, we, we're trying to say it was in down. Yeah, we screwed that pooch on that one. It is. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, Sumatra is like. Yeah, it's way closer to Australia than it is the Congo. It's in, like it's an island in western Indonesia. Yeah, we kind of messed that one up. Just bullet, Hey, it's, just close your eyes and think it's in the Congo. Here's, you know what, and something I've, it actually came up today is somebody mentioned somewhere, I can't even remember where they mentioned, but then they looked at me and they were like, well, you know where it is, You're, you were a history major. I'm like, since when being a history major means you know exactly where everything is? Man, I almost failed geography. <laughs> well, that's like it's everybody's like, thing. everybody's like, you're a math teacher, I bet you do math all the time. No, no, I do not. I do not do that shit for for, for fun. <laughs> I hate most of it. I'm just good at it. All right. So we're going to wrap this thing up with the Nagumo. Oh, we're just going to move on. We're just moving on. There's no theories. There's no. Here's my thing. I don't know, man. Those photos. You were rushing tonight. You were just rushing. Those photos going back to Mr. Middleton, Alfred Isaac Middleton to be exact, is. <laughs> Those photos are a little clear for me on some of them. I'm not saying that it couldn't be true, that he, that there's a thread of truth to it. I'm just not so sure that the buildings that are depicted in these photos are really the buildings that he saw. Well, it's just, to me, I don't, it's like, there's what, like 15 lost cities of gold somewhere in the, yeah, there's Asian one in the world. Amazon. I swear I thought I'd read somewhere that this one was in the Congo, but obviously it was not. It was in Sumatra, so. So this whole thing. <laughs> Just got turned so, on its ear because I failed geography. So our mysteries of the Congo. Two out of three not- ain't bad. 
Oh my word! All right. So the what's your All theory? Right, we'll just, no, no, no. Hell no! Yeah. Let's hear your theory. <laughs> my theory is complete and utter bullshit. Okay, so you're saying this has just been made up by somebody and they're laughing their ass off. So not only is this the first time we've we've made a case on just pure lies. No, there was that other creepy pasta that we did. Oh yeah. Oh God. We almost learned that was like complete now, bullshit in real time. Yeah, we learned like as I'm pressing record, you pull up and you're like, dude, I think this is a creepy pasta. I'm like, well, it's too late now. <laughs> oh yeah if you don't know what we're talking about it's the phone calls or the facebook posts from the ex-girlfriend that died yeah it was one of our earlier episodes and coach so wanted to believe i did that one got me those creepypastas man some of them are well written and i don't that one was well written that's why that's my excuse for that one so now moving along Finally, we get to Nguma Moene, and it is found in the Congo, and it is a semi-aquatic creature, and yes, we are for sure it is in Congo. And yes, it has, this one is. has been seen both swimming and walking on land. Now, it has been described as having four legs, a mouthful of sharp teeth, a long tail that resembles an alligator's or a crocodile's, a large ridge or spine running down its back. The body is what they describe as low slung, but basically it has arms and legs like a alligator or a crocodile. It is grayish brown and over 30 feet long, and it loves to eat hippos. If you're going after a hippo, I mean, you got to be, you got to be a mean son of a gun because them hippos are mean as shit just to be eating water vegetables. Yeah, they, they, they're responsible for more deaths than most predators. Yes, they each year. Look, hippos do not fuck around. No, they are on the chart of fuck around and find out they're up there on the top right. Yeah. The more you fuck around, <laughs> the more you're going to find out. <laughs> Definitely. Now, it has been described that the neck on this thing is as thick as a man's thigh. Yeah, so kind of think of like a giant alligator, like a giant crocodile. Like It's just very long. Very long, long, neck, long. Long torso, long sweeping tail. It's something you don't want to fuck with. Right. Now, theories of what this could be is that it is a surviving Dimetrodon or Spinosaurus, both prehistoric creatures having spines running down their back. And some you can, you can tell that one of those was was discovered long before the other one. Yes. Because the first one's like a dinotrida toad, and the second one's well he's got a spine. Well, he's a spinosaurus. Yep. yep. <laughs> he's gonna make it back. We're gonna make it easy for everybody. He's just a spinosaurus. Yeah, make it easy. <laughs> now, some Spinosaurus have four legs. However, Dimetrodons weren't aquatic, and Spinosaurus weren't slow slung. So this could be a mule of the Dimetrodon and the Spinosaurus. Anyway, and they say they were not relatives at all. Other theories state that the... 
Nguma moene is a species of monsosaur, crocodile, or lizard because the legs are rarely seen. Some suggest a species of very large snake. And the one that I had kind of alluded to was that giant python that was supposedly a picture was taken of it and... Yeah, no, it's not supposedly. It has been. It, that has been that picture has been analyzed over and over again, and it is a legit picture. Whatever they took a picture of was there. Now, they scaled it to be about fifty feet long, with a head that was about two to three feet wide, diamond shaped head. If you don't know what we're talking about, I'm sure we'll post it on the social medias. But if you just Google. Congo giant snake. You'll see this picture. Yeah, and they and actually terrifying. They actually said that he hissed at the helicopter the first time, and that's what scared the shit out of him. So they made a wide pass to get the the picture. But anyway, the, going back to the Nguma Moene, they say also that now what? Oh, the legs are two to three feet in diameter. And that it has a forked tongue that flicks in and out. Now, there are some sightings. In 1961, one morning, the eldest sister of the first secretary of the General Assembly, Michael Zabatu, was bathing in the river when she felt a disturbance in the water. Quote, to her astonishment and dismay, a great head and neck, very like a snake's, but much larger, emerged from the water about 15 meters away from her, end quote. She cried out in fear, attracting the attention of the villagers who all watched the animal moving in the water, flicking its forked tongue. That was in 1961. Yeah, and that's going to, you say it was the, whose daughter was it? Like, uh... Dear God, all right, you ready? It's, it's going to take no, forever. No, no. It's the eldest sister of the first secretary of the General Assembly, Michael Zabatu. There you go. But what I'm getting at is that's somebody that's not going to just make something up. It's an important person in that country. They're not just going to be like, they're not going to lie just for shits and giggles. And what I was trying to get at is the fact that the first sighting of this creature is actually going to be a pastor. Like he's going to get a bird's eye view of it. Yes. And that to me that gives a ton of credit to the fact that it is it might be a misidentification of something that exists already, but I'm just saying he didn't make that up. These people aren't making these sightings up. No, and the the Yoli of Cameroon described this creature as resembling a snake, but with a pair of limbs large enough to rise above the tallest trees in the forest. It can move rapidly through water swamps and on the ground and feeds on birds and monkeys. Uniquely, its body is described as producing an electric current, according to the Yoli, similar to an electric eel or catfish. Some species of which, and they give the scientific name, and I'm not even going to attempt that, are endemic to the Congo Basin. Now, the Baca people are afraid of the Yoli, but claim to have killed specimens of the Ngume Moene with spears and dogs. I don't think a dog's going to do it. If it's eating monkeys, I don't think you're going to get it killed with a dog. Well, it certainly ain't eating the monkeys we covered first. No, they'll whoop that ass. 
Now, the other, I don't have the pastor sighting. I've got a 1971. Maybe that's it, Joseph Ellis. The one I'm talking about was in like, it was like the first documented sighting. It was like in the 1950s, I believe. I didn't see that one. Now, there is a missionary named Joseph Ellis who in November of 1971 was paddling down the Motaba River in a dugout canoe and observed a 30-foot serpentine animal with a serrated back swim across the river. He would state that it was it reached roughly 20 it was 20 meters from the first bank as it touched the second bank and disappeared into tall grass and underbrush never raising its body that far off the ground. You said that was in 1971? Yes. He's a missionary named Joseph Ellis? Yes. Uh, okay, yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Okay. But the what I looked at said pastor. So uh, it, it's yeah, the same person. Probably, probably same thing. Now What they're, they're trying to say is his, he's a reliable source right and they said and that's another thing going back to your point of this these are people that are not going to make this up these are also people that have lived in the congo and knew the wildlife so they're not going to confuse something with a crocodile or an alligator and roy p mccall states that both eyewitnesses were very familiar with crocodiles in the area and states that, quote, no possibility whatsoever that the creature could have been an oversized crocodile. Now, the Ngume Moene's most important features, as far as its identification goes, is its forked tongue and its serrated back. McCall says that the animal must either be a snake or a lizard, and since none of the two and a half thousand known species of snake have anything like a ridged back or crest, it is fair to assume that it must be a lizard. The biggest known lizards in Africa are the monitor lizards, but no species of monitors have dorsal ridges either. The habitats of the Nile Monitor agree with those of the Ngume Mwene, but it is discounted as a good identity for the reason of the spinal ridges. And the fact that, according to this thing, or according to eyewitnesses, this thing is three or four times that of a monitor lizard. Now, he also suggests that it could be a modern-day descendant of the Dilacosaurus, a primitive semi-aquatic group of lizards which had short limbs and elongated bodies. McCall also described Dilacosaurus as ancestral monitor lizards, although this theory no longer seems to be a popular one amongst paleontologists. On the other hand, McCall also suggested that the Ngume Mwene could simply be an under- undescribed species of a very large, long, elongated, ridge-backed monitor lizard. And I go back to the Billy Apes. They didn't discover them as a subspecies. They have been rumored all throughout the, 20, uh, the 19th and 20th century, and it wasn't until 2000 or 2003 that they actually laid eyes on one. So... This could technically be a giant ass monitor lizard out there. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's been a ton of examples of animals that were myths that were proven real, like the p- giant panda, the mountain gorilla, the mega mouth shark, the giant squid. 
the duckbill platypus, um, several others that I can't think of offhand, but I'm just saying, like, there's been so many animals that were rumored to be legit and just dismissed by popular science until they were proven true. So who's to say what's out there and what's not? And I can guarantee you, if something's hiding, it's hiding in Africa, probably in the Congo. But don't get the Congo confused with Sumatra, which is close to Australia. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, I love myself sometimes. Well, you know, what's also amazing is the fact that I also did some research on it and didn't catch that either, so I'm going to have to take a little bit of responsibility for not at least because if i would have caught it boy i would have you had just hammered me yeah i would never let you live it down at least i got to find out in real time yeah well i mean we all make mistakes brother that's all i can tell you <laughs> amen to that all right so this will be a very heavy dose of pictures on our on our social medias i will try to make myself a note to Post the news article on our Facebook group page. If you are not a member of that yet, first of all, ask yourself why, because it's free. Second of all, it has some of the best memes out there, and we have a plethora of OGs that post just as fast and as many as Coach. So... Uh, shout out to Heater. He's been killing it with the memes that he knows if he puts on Facebook, he's going to get banned for life. But, like, I literally, I, I know better than to open anything from him while I'm teaching, but I just can't help myself sometimes. Like, <laughs> today I had to turn my camera and my mic off because I was crying at one of them. So, anyway, we will see if those make it to the the group page. So, Coachum, do you have a recommendation for us, or do you have a theory on the Nguma Mwene? Mwene. I think think that it's possible that he's out there. Well, they're saying that this is the large, they also go as a large boa, and it's been seen in eastern Cameroon and Congo's Mataba River. I'm thinking it is out there, too. I'm thinking there's shit out there. What's the, is it the Congo where they see that thing in the uh, water that's got the ridges on the back and they don't know what it is, but they think it's a, a dinosaur. Is it the Congo? There's so many cryptids out there. I get confused. It's if you look up on YouTube, um, living dinosaurs, they go through like a ton of them. And I can't remember if this is the same one I'm thinking of. Yeah. But anyway. All right. So the first report of this made it to the U.S. in 1987, but the two sightings were 1961 and 1971. And if you would like to uh, look into this, you can. It is mentioned in the book, A Living Dinosaur, the Mokele Mimembe, which we did an episode on. And it's also another one called the Mystery Beast of the Congo Basin. Uh, There's an annotated checklist of apparently unknown animals with which cryptozoology is concerned with. (laughs) I guess this is one of them. 
Yeah. But anyway, so what, what, what says you? What says you for your recommendation? I'm going to recommend the movie Congo. <laughs> you ever seen it? You never seen it? I have, but it's been a long time. Oh, it's just a cheese ball movie, man. If you want to waste an hour and 45 minutes, do it. But it's got a splendid performance by Tim Curry. Just splendid. Well, I am going to recommend if you ha- are fanciful in the ways of the Old West, if you find Billy the Kid and stuff like that interesting, there is a podcast called Real History out there, and they touch on, they do a series on, uh, I think the series actually is about Billy the Kid, but there's two episodes in that series or that season that deal with basically the backstory of Young Guns. Uh, Tunstall, the stores, and all that stuff. Now, in Young Guns, they make Tunstall out to be like this geriatric old man in his 50s, and that's not true. He was 25 when he died. So it was very... The Lincoln County Range Wars, all that stuff is in there. I found it very interesting. If... You do like it, the old West stuff, then that is a good one. They're short episodes. Um, I want to say the longest one is like 45 minutes, maybe. Um, it's called Infamous in America, Billy the Kid. There's 10 episodes. Yeah. They're anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes. The last one is 40 minutes. So if you like that kind of stuff, listen to that. If not, I don't know what to tell you. Well, Coach them. you got anything else? You know I don't. Uh, deuces. <laughs>